Nick Brown was the first American diagnosed with the coronavirus. He lived in a small town in Ohio. He's 38 years old, married with two small children. And the virus hit him really, really bad. And so they took him to the best hospital around the Cleveland Clinic where they began to try to treat him. But it didn't take long before he was actually in ICU on life support. And they began to talk to the family that he may not make it through this terrible virus. And so every day the doctors and nurses would come in and there was a glass door and they would write down goals for him to hit every day. And at the bottom of that, they would write these words every day. We're going to help you make it home. We're going to help you make it home. And it was just a few months later, he actually fulfilled their dream and he made it home. Today, I invite you to study with us from the book of 1 Peter, where the apostle Peter is saying the whole Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are going to help you make it home. And that's what we looked at last, last week, that we are a people that are walking in hope. And biblical hope is a confident expectation that because of the resurrection of Jesus, our future is secure. Today we go to the next section, and he's in challenges to not only walk in hope, but to walk in holiness. In fact, here's the key line in our study today. Be holy as I am holy. Say that with me. Be holy as I am holy. That's a quotation from the book of Leviticus. Say it again with me. Be holy as I am holy. Now, what a challenge that is. In fact, when we think of just that, that word holy, we don't normally think of ourselves as being holy. You know, we're okay saying God is holy, but frankly, I'm not too okay with saying that I am holy. Because why? I think I'm just not good enough. Or when I think of being holy, I think about being perfect. Or even worse, I think of that phrase used to describe Christians in a negative way. You are holier than what? Than thou. Because when we get to the biblical word holy, it's a word that doesn't simply belong to God. It also belongs to us. And so let's dive in to this word a little bit because we need to work on this. Let me say this. Let me confess this. In this church it'd be much more acceptable for you to say today, I am really messed up. And that's okay. And we embrace that as a church. But it doesn't seem to be as widespread for any of us to say, you know what? I am holy. So what does this word mean? Well, let's go to the Hebrew. And here's what the Hebrew word means. To set apart for a purpose. It wasn't even necessarily a religious word. It just meant you took something, you made it special, and you used it for a purpose. For how many, how many of you ever heard, raise your hand, of fine china? Raise your hand, okay? Okay? What's fine china? When do you, when do you use fine china? When someone special's coming, when the preachers come into your house, you bring the fine china out, right? I'd like to experience that. You bring the fine china. And, you know, it, it's something that's used for a special purpose when somebody special's come into your house. In fact, 
in old days, it was so special, you didn't even keep the fine china in the kitchen. You kept it in a china what? Cabinet. And guys, that's a good illustration of holy. This is some china that is used for one purpose. Now, we could talk a little bit more about just things that are holy. Uh, after the Civil War, after Gettysburg, President Lincoln, before he's assassinated, made a speech there. And that was where thousands and thousands of killed, were killed in that war. And he said, I'm declaring this hallowed, holy ground. What's he saying? No longer would this ground be used for growing crops, for starting a business, for even building a house. For now on, this will be holy ground dedicated to the memory of those who gave their life. It's holy. Let me tell you a piece of furniture in my house that I want to be holy. Look at this, this picture of this chair. That is actually a prayer bench. It's from France in the 1800s, and my wife gave it to me uh, for our anniversary a few weeks ago. And, and I love that because I want it to be a holy place. Now, I'm tempted to maybe use it as somewhere to sit down and put my shoes on, or I'm even more tempted to to just throw my clothes on it. Doesn't it look like a great place to throw your clothes? But I've made my mind up. I'm not going to do that. I want this place to be a place in my house that is dedicated to prayer. The Bible would call that it's a holy place. So that's why the Bible uses this word in the Old Testament when it talks about the holy temple. What's it saying? This is a building like no other building in Jerusalem. It's been set apart for a place for God to live and a place for his people to worship. Nothing else compares. And what God is saying to you and I today, be holy as I'm holy. You too are to be a place set apart for God. That's why we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now let's say this. God is the most holy. You remember the old hymn, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That comes from Isaiah chapter 6, where the angels all say around the throne of God, holy, holy, holy. Now, what does that mean? In the Hebrew language, anytime you said something three, you're three times you're saying that's to the utmost. So when we talk about holy, other, different, God is is the most holy. But what God wants you and I to be is comfortable saying that we're holy. So let's get real practical for a few moments this morning. What does it mean to be holy? In our vernacular, to be holy means that we are different. We, we, our lives don't look like everybody else's lives, not in some kind of weird religious way. Our lives don't look like other lives because our lives have been set apart for holy purposes. Now, uh, get your journal or your Bible and let's thumb through First Peter. And, and this, this week, I'm wanting to point out passages in First Peter that describe how we are to be different. I'm trying to go a little slower than last week because if you could get a pen out and circle the phrases you're going to see up here on the screens. First Peter 1 verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. How are we different? Our lives are nonconformist. We don't fall to the pressure of our own passions. 
We live in a world today that says, if you feel it, you should do it. If you feel this way, that's who you are. The Bible says we don't live that way. We, we don't live according to those passions. Flip over to verse 22 of chapter 1. He talks about us being obedient to the truth. You say, how is that different? Number one, we believe there are such things as absolute truth. Things that are always right and things that are always wrong. And we live in obedience. That's not a very popular word today. We live in obedience to those truths. If God says do this, we do it. If he says don't do it, we don't do it. Because we believe that is truth. Flip a little further. Go with me to chapter 2. This is so cool here. Because listen, being holy is not simply about avoiding the negative. It's also about who we are in the positive. We'll study this next week, but I want to read it to you today. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our lives are different. Then go down a couple more verses. Verse 11, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Today, culture says, if you feel a certain way, that determines your gender. If you feel a certain way, that determines your sex. The Bible says, no, no, no. Our life is determined not by passions. Guys, we all get in trouble. If my life is run by my anger, by my resentment, by my passions, we don't live that way. We abstain from those passions of the flesh. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. Honor everyone... Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You know what makes us most holy? Is we love to a degree that nobody else loves. We actually love everyone. In a day where we're taught, if someone does you wrong, hit them back. In fact, if someone does you wrong, you're to hit them back and hit them back harder. He says here, We are even to honor the emperor. We even honor people in positions of power that we may not agree with. That would be pretty different today. And look a little further than that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil. We don't hit back. Keep looking. Look at 3 verse 15. We got something good to say to people. Always be ready, prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for reason for the hope that's in you. Because here's what, here's what God wants. God wants your life to be so different in a good way that someone walks up to you and says, how do you handle what's going on in your life? I mean, the world is a hostile, crazy place. Why are you so full of hope? And then we have an opportunity to tell them exactly why we are. Look at chapter 4, verse 3. He says, some people live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Don't tell me the Bible is not up to date. Look at chapter 4, verse 8. Here's the big one. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly. What's so different than us? We love each other with incredible passion. And then look at one more verse, chapter 5, verse 7. We cast our anxieties on him. 
Guys, we live in an anxiety-filled world. Latest statistics say that the um, suicide rate among younger people and young adults is higher than it's ever been. And I think most of us could could confess with all that's going on around us, it's so easy to be full of anxiety. But here's why we're different. When we have anxiety, we try not to internalize it. We seek to cast it on God because he can handle it. Guys, that's a great verse, a great set of verses of how different we are. Now, here's the question I want to ask. Why would I want to be different? Why would I want to be holy? Guys, because if, if we just lived up to the verses we just read, we, we'd say in our vernacular, your life's going to stick out like a sore thumb. You're not going to be like the other people at your school. You're not going to be like the other people in your business. You're not going to be like other people in your neighborhood. You are going to be different in the way you handle things. Why do we want to be that way? Because sometimes it's awkward. I remember when after my freshman year of college, I was coming back home. I needed a job. My dad, I thought, was a pretty powerful guy. He worked for a big company in Montgomery back in those days called Blunt. He said, buddy, I'll get you a job. So I thought, that's cool. So he says, I'm going to call the state and get you a job with the state. I thought, man, it'd be nice to have a nice, cush state job for, sorry I said that, for the summer. Well, he got me a job with the Department of Transportation. So I'm visualized sitting in air conditioning behind a desk. Well, when I get there, they give us buckets and these little, you know, sticks with a nail on it. Here's our job for the summer. We're going to go down the highways of Alabama and pick up the trash. Okay, so, so every day, that's what we do. We go, it's hot, steamy, we pick up the trash. We, had, we got to use those sticks until one of our guys threw the stick with the nail across the road, hit another guy in the neck. So they took the sticks away. It was a great group to work with. And so now we got to pick up the trash. And I'll never forget one day, it started raining. Well, when it rained, we didn't go in because they'd dock your pay. So we just get on the back of the trash truck, turn our buckets upside down, sit on it, cover ourselves with this yellow tarp, and we just sit there till it stopped raining. And I'll never forget this day, because as soon as we sat down, one of the guys across the way took out a joint. I'm not talking about his elbow, okay? He took out a joint, and he lights it up, and he begins to pass it around. Dude, I'm getting high just under the tarp, you know what I'm saying? But when it came to me, I'm the only person who didn't smoke it. I just tried to you know, not make too big a deal about it. And afterwards, the sun came out, and we're back walking down Highway 231. And one of the guys came up to me and said, hey, man, I noticed you didn't smoke the joint back there. Why not? And I sort of steeled myself up, and I got my courage. I said, well, I'm a Christian. I don't do those kind of things. I'll never forget what he said to me. He looked at me, and he said, I didn't know you were that way. I mean, like, what, what's your problem, man? And guys, have you ever been in that position where living out your faith causes someone to go, man, I didn't know you were that way. What, why do you do that? You know, Justice um, Samuel Alito, when the Supreme Court changed the definition of marriage, he was a prophet. He voted against it, but this is what he said. Those who cling to old beliefs about marriage will only be able to whisper their, whisper their thoughts in the recesses of their home. But if they repeat those views in public, they will risk being called 
bigots. Pretty accurate prophecy, right? So why do we want to be different in a culture that's hostile to what we believe? Go back to 1 Peter with me. And we're going to look at a section in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. And what I want you to look for, because Peter's like any great preacher, he's very repetitive, okay? Um, He says a lot of the same things in these verses he said to us last week. But what we're searching for today is what are the motivations for you and I to walk out these doors today and be holy. Just, just read through this with me. It's an incredibly powerful passage. 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, with silver or gold, but you are ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without a blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your hope is in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. I love this quotation from the Old Testament. All flesh is like grass, all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. By it, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. I love those verses. Now, I want to give you five motivations I hear there. Because if you're going to be different, you got to be motivated to want to be holy. Number one motivation is the holiness of God. What he says is, God is your father, and if God is your father, you begin to reflect your father. And my friends, listen to me. God is a perfect father. I know for some of you, Father's Day is a wonderful day. For some people in this audience, it's not a good day. Because maybe you didn't have a father growing up. Or maybe your father was not a good father. And so you you struggle. Here's what I want you to know. God is the perfect father. And the closer you draw to him, the more he will change you. Some of you that that are fathers, are, are you ever around your children and they say something or they do something and you go, oh my goodness, for good or bad, he or she is just like me? I think my, my son Luke is here, and, and uh, Luke and I share a very similar sense of humor that's not always very healthy, okay? 
And so sometimes we might be at the table and we look across without a word and we're both laughing at the same thing. And I think, oh my goodness, you're just like me. And what God says is you need to be holy because I am holy. You learned that from your father. Now, that's one thing I love about this church. We've got so many great fathers. I can look across this audience right now, and I could name a hundred fathers who I've seen the way your life has impacted your child's life. I, I had a great experience with that this week. One of our summer interns, which I think is so cool, all three of our interns were raised by great fathers in this church. But one of our summer interns is, is J.T. Moore. And so I took J.T. to breakfast. I've always admired J.T., known he was a good kid, but didn't know him that well. But just sitting down in that breakfast and hearing his heart and the kind of life he's trying to live and the kind of purpose in his life, while I'm in the middle of studying this, I can walk away from that breakfast with that young man and say, JT is a holy young man. His life is set apart for God. And therefore, this morning, we celebrate his daddy, Dale, and what him and Kathy had been able to do to help raise a child. And JT will say, it wasn't only my parents, it was also, he said, growing up in this landmark church, he said, it convicted me that my life had to have a purpose and a mission. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life. Now, number two motivation is the grace of God. We are ransomed by the blood of God, of Jesus. Listen to me, guys. The greatest motivation that you and I have to be different is thanksgiving. We just, I mean, if you know, if you really understand today what Jesus did for you on the cross, man, here's what changes you to be holy. You walk away from that cross you go, my goodness, I am so thankful, Jesus. You tell me what to do, what not to do, and I'll do it. Because I can't get over what you've done for me. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Joseph when he is seduced by Potiphar's wife. And she just comes to this man who's in a foreign culture, a hostile culture. And she says to Joseph, I want to sleep with you. And Joseph, I think, is tempted but the, the major reason Joseph says, I cannot sleep with you, woman, is because this is a wicked thing. I can't do this to my God. What's he saying there? My goodness, I just love God too much. My whole body, my passions may say, go for it. But I'm so thankful for God. I love him so much. I can't hurt him. So guys, be motivated by the grace of God. On the other hand, there's also some lines here about the judgment of God. There are times where you're motivated out of your mind by how good God's been. There are other times that you need to be motivated because you, you just respect God. I, mean, I love what the message translation says here. Your God is responsible, Father. He will not let you get by with sloppy living. Sometimes you do the holy thing simply because you respect God. Number three, the Word of God. Because here's the great news for you and I. God has revealed His will. He has revealed to you and to I what's the best way to live. Because here's what's going on today. So many of us, because no longer do we believe in absolute truth or believe that Scripture is a holy book different than any other book, so many people 
are just searching for some kind of meaning in life. And so they try this and they try that and they try something else. And here's the problem, guys, is every one of those ways are dead-end streets. And some people, they don't wake up till they're way too old and they've tried materialism and they've tried, you know, sex, sexuality and they've tried, you know, being selfish and they've, they've tried so many things and they spend half their life trying all these things. When God says, if you would just listen to me, I love you, I made you. And I didn't just leave you on your own, I actually have revealed my will to you. This is the way to live. And in the long run, that's the true source of joy. And that's why he says here, man, you know what? You hunger for that word. And then number five, this is my favorite phrase. You've tasted the goodness of God. I mean, can I ask you this morning, have you ever tasted how good God is? I mean, yeah, this is an experiential word. This is like, man, God, I've experienced you. When I did do what you asked me to do, guess what? I didn't end up on some terrible dead-end street. My life actually worked. I've tasted it. Looking back at your life, can you remember moments when you were seeking to live a holy life? You were seeking to be set apart for God, and in those moments, you experience the greatest peace and joy in your life. That's what he's saying. Remember the moment you tasted it. Now, we, we talk about food that way, right? This is a very food word. Any of you have been to crumble cookies yet? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot more of you in second service than first service, all right? Crumble Man, I'm just telling you, uh, Gail brought some crumble cookies to the office the other day. And I, I'd never been there. In fact, I drove by there last night, and there was a line of a dozen people, not in the place, out the place. They're incredible cookies. And she brought like a chocolate chip cookie, and I've been trying to watch what I'm eating a little bit. And so I just went, and I just sort of got a little bit of piece of it and started eating it. And I got to my office like, man, I don't want a little piece. I want the whole cookie, you know? So, so, so you start, you taste it, and you want more of it. Now, I would say this to you. Before you go to Crumble Cookies, make sure you go to your bank first, okay? Because right, it's not going to be cheap. Because that's what he's saying. When you've tasted something, you've got to have more of. And he said here, when you have tasted God, the goodness of God, man, you, you learn to trust God and do what he wants. So today, I, I love that point because when you've tasted the goodness of God, even when life is difficult, when God has been present when you're struggling, when God has been there during your trial, and you taste that, here's what happens. Your, your obedience moves from ought to to want to. You see what I'm saying? You're not going to walk out this door and be holy, different, just because you know you ought to do it. You're going to be holy and different because you know God's way is true. You've experienced it. You've at least tasted it, and you want to be that way. So look at those five reasons to be holy. I want you to be motivated out of your mind. And what does Peter say? How do you get started? You get started by preparing your mind for action. That was the first part. The word there for prepare in the older translation says, gird your mind. What, what does that mean? That means 
In that day, people wore long flowing robes. So if a man needed to go for something, if he needed to run, he would gird up those robes, pull them up, put a belt on so he could run. And that's what Peter's saying to us. God, you, you got to prepare your mind for action. And guys, here's where the battle starts. The battle starts in the mind. Can I ask you, are you living with holy thoughts? Or is your world so inundated with the thoughts of the world that are everywhere around us that your, your thoughts are not holy? Listen, guys, not until you change the way you think will you actually change your behavior. And Peter says, first of all, put your thoughts on God. Dwell on his word. Be full of his Holy Spirit. And put it into action. Now, you listen closely to me, guys. People do not drift into holiness. You drift into compromise. So, guys, if you're not proactive about this, if you don't seek the holiness of God, you just let life go where it goes and you just do whatever you feel, listen, I can just guarantee you, you're going to drift away from God. But if you, as Peter would say, would prepare your mind for action, start thinking right, start living right, Everything's going to be different. So let me ask you a question this morning before we sing. Are you holy? If you're like me, I'm sort of a little bit uncomfortable with that word. Because when I think of holy, I've thought wrong. I thought when someone says, are you holy, buddy? I think, are you perfect? You got it all together? Well, No. Because that's not what holy is. Holy is simply saying, you know what? I'm not all together and I don't have everything perfect, but I'll tell you what I've done. I have set my life apart to be God's. There's some things I, I don't do because that wouldn't be God-like. And there's lots of things I do because it is God-like. I'm seeking to be Holy. I love the song we sang in first service this morning, an old hymn that says it so well, take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. Because if you want to be holy, you've got to dedicate yourself to spending time with Jesus, spending time with God. So let me ask you one more time, is your life holy? Could this be the moment where you publicly declare through baptism, or publicly to care just through the prayers of this church that I'm tired of just going with the flow. I'm tired of just living the way I just naturally live. I'm tired of not being able to use the word holy for me because God has said, you need, buddy, to be holy as I'm holy. And today, I want to be a holy person. And we're going to sing a song right now about the holiness of God because remember the, 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 the line Be holy as I am holy. All of this starts with seeing a God who is so awesome, so different, so other, so holy that I say, oh my goodness, I can't help but follow him. He's holy. And God, I know it sounds crazy, but I want to be holy. I want want my life to be set apart. I'm going to have a purpose in my life. So this morning, if you need to make that decision publicly, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?